0: Welcome to the Organized Investor Pod Class with Jerry Goodman and Megan Hubbard from Tennessee Wealth Management. These pod classes are an inside look at how they work with clients to organize their investments, their retirements, and their affairs. After you've listened to a number of these pod classes, you yourself may decide that you would like to discuss your personal situation with them and they would welcome that conversation. We suggest you subscribe so you'll receive reminders about the next class. And with the tools and information on our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you can start getting organized right now.
1: Hi, listeners. I'm Megan Hubbard, along with my dad, Jerry Goodman, and students, we are glad you're able to join us today. We want you to think of us as Megan and Dad, I'm a former first grade teacher at Christian Academy of Knoxville, and Dad at least remembers being in the first grade at Moreland Heights Elementary in South Knoxville. Go team! Did y'all have a mascot at Moreland Heights Elementary?
2: That was so long ago. I don't think they had invented mascots back then. They were um, <laughs> we were mascotless.
1: Y'all should have had a ladder as your mascot. Get it, uh, More Moreland Heights, like Heights.
2: More heights. yeah. More heights. No. More heights. A ladder. <clears throat> yeah, a great, great idea, ladder. <laughs>
1: Anyways, I have a master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and dad has over 40 years of stories, experiences, and some entertaining comments that, well, maybe will make you laugh. He thinks they're entertaining at least. Well,
2: perhaps. Let's start off with a little Johnny who was actually also in the first grade and also had a teacher named Mrs. Hubbard. And so and little Johnny said, Mrs. Hubbard, can I be punished for something I haven't done? And Mrs. Hubbard was shocked, and she goes, the teacher's shocked, shocked and goes, of course not, Johnny. That would be very unfair. Well, little Johnny, he's so relieved. And he said, okay, that's great, Ms. Hubbard. I'm glad to know that because I haven't done my homework.
1: That sounds like a little Lulu joke to me.
2: Well, It does sound like kind of little Lulu-ish, but uh, Johnny, at least you get an A for creativity.
1: Well, I don't know if I would have given him an A in my class. But anyways, in the last pod class, we mentioned a lost dog. By the name of Lucky. You might remember him. We just wanted to give everybody an update. He is lucky because he's actually back home now and he has still, he's one ear less. He's three, only has three legs and still only one eye, but he's back home. That's all that matters. And we're also very lucky to make it back to another pod class with another message that may materially improve your financial life.
2: And we think you're lucky to be back and to hear this. And you're also lucky that whenever we are giving you information, like even if it's a factual statement or maybe even it's just our opinion, everything we're going to explain and share with you is going to be as accurate and as truthful as we can possibly make it. Now, you need to be able to trust what we're sharing, even if it's something that you may not even want to hear.
1: And for pod classes numbers four, five, and six... We discussed organizing your affairs and how we can save you about a thousand dollars by working with a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee versus working with an attorney on your own. Now, if that's a topic of interest to you, we would encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes, episodes four, five, and six.
2: So we're currently discussing how to organize your investments in a series of pod classes which includes seven, eight. Now this is pod class number nine.
1: Is that a joke? Seven, eight,
2: nine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why does why is five afraid of six? It's because seven, eight, nine.
1: Sorry, I had to I, I know couldn't let I know. that go.
2: I, I I don't blame you. But anyway, but there's a lot there's a lot more information to come because there's a lot more to cover and lots you need to know. Now, if you've not listened to 7 and 8 so far, it might be better to go back and start with 7 so you don't feel like you walked into the movie theater going, wait a minute, what's happening here?
1: That's the worst. I'm actually the worst person to walk into a movie in the middle of it and somebody's watching something because I have all the questions about what's happened leading up to the part that I'm now watching, but I have missed all the other things. So,
2: Well, and not only do you not know what's going on, you can't see anything because your eyes haven't adjusted to the darkness. That's that's an issue. But anyway.
1: First world problems here. So for those who have listened to number seven and number eight, here's a quick reminder. What's our main goal here with all of this? Well, it's to improve your overall performance by 2% per year. And for a million dollar portfolio, that's actually equivalent to an increase of $20,000 per year or $400,000 over a 20 year period. And is this even possible, you might be wondering? Well, depending on how your investments are currently you know, structured and managed, this may actually be possible by reducing advisory fees or by avoiding the internal costs of mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, and also by improving your investment performance.
2: Now, when you own mutual funds and exchange-traded funds inside of an advisory account, you may have what we're going to refer to honestly as mediocre performance because they may be invested in three or four thousand stocks, which means you've gone from diversification to what we refer to as diversification. Dun dun dun. Exactly. Now we've covered two examples that include a mutual fund advisory account. And, and an ETF, an exchange-traded fund advisory account in the prior podcasts.
1: And in contrast, we actually focus on higher-quality companies primarily from the DSIP list, which is actually a Wells Fargo research list. So if you're invested in something similar to the mutual fund example or the ETF example with those mediocre returns, you may be able to materially improve the, the long-term financial future that you have by a lot.
2: So just think of this as like your portfolio is being a lottery ticket, if you will. And these pod classes are going to help you understand if your portfolio has a winning number.
1: I never just win to, at lotteries.
2: <laughs> just to make an analogy, you know, I've never bought a Tennessee lottery ticket.
1: Well, we've covered this in a lot of yeah. prior podcasts. Mom has. So technically you have. Well, I guess so. So just a technicality there. But anyway.
2: I feel better now. Thank you.
1: <laughs> You're welcome. So this is podcast number nine, and we're going to continue on with this discussion. And once again, be reminded that on the investments page of our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, there is a 38-page reference guide that's dated November 2023. And in every pod class, we're, we're going to refer to this guide. And so we suggest that you either print it off or at the very least have it on your phone or computer to um, scroll through and look for certain topics as we cover them on these pod classes.
2: Now, in this pod class in particular, this is going to be a very detailed explanation of how we manage portfolios using the stocks from this DSIP list, this Diversified Stock Income Program list. Now, you may be thinking, well, hey, what's wrong with mutual funds? And we've repeatedly tried to explain that being selective with your investments is a far better approach than owning virtually every stock on the planet by owning a bunch of mutual funds or owning a large group of exchange-traded funds.
1: And. Unlike anything you've ever heard before, we're going to give you very detailed explanations of how we work with our clients and why we manage their investments in this way. And we have the documentation to share with you. So you may be wondering, so what is this? Like, is this going to be a waste of my time? Look, if you're able to make the effort to understand our process and decide it's not for you, then all you've got is time invested. But You'll also be more informed by having invested that time.
2: Now, unfortunately, as Megan will say, as a teacher, everybody's got a different learning curve to, to learn something. So what's our grand plan here? Well, we're going to err on the side of giving you, sharing more information with you than what you may want or may need. We're just going to say that on the front end. And even though too much information, it may bore you to tears. Hopefully, it won't bore you to death. So be patient. Keep listening to find out. And again, once again, if you're sitting on a potential, it's to see if you're sitting on this potential gold mine with your portfolio.
1: In podcast number eight, we gave an explanation of two examples of what we refer to as diversification. Dun dun dun. I All feel right. like I have to say that every time we say that. Sorry, word.
2: I missed. I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I said it. You should be doing the sound effects. So both of these have had mediocre performance these examples that we have given now whether you have an advisory account that's invested in either mutual funds or exchange traded funds having 20 funds that may may own you know virtually 200 companies in each one that means you may be invested in 3 to 4000 companies so effectively you own every stock on the planet which includes the good ones but you also own the bad ones
2: that means that you're invested in companies that are trading above their projected price target. So what does that mean? It means the analysts who follow the stocks feel the stock is actually going to go down instead of going up. You own companies that are losing money, which in theory is not a really good thing long term. Some of the companies may be small, which means they have more risk. Some don't pay a dividend, which is not really where we focus our attention. And some are going to just have flat out poor rankings by the analysts because they don't like them for whatever reason.
1: So I'm going to ask you to take a moment and refer to page five on the reference guide on the investments page of our website that has the date of November 2023 in its name. At the top of page five is a very good summary of just how mediocre the performance can actually be when your portfolio is suffering from diversification. Dun,
2: dun, dun. Good job. So, so this first example we explained in in a pod class number eight. It's called fund source, which is a collection of mutual funds inside of an advisory account. Now, you may be invested in something very similar to this. It's a similar kind of strategy. Maybe it has a different name, but it may have similar returns. So, since the inception date of January first, nineteen ninety nine, the performance of this fund source program has been five point seven percent. For the aggressive growth model. Now, by comparison, since its inception of November 1993, the performance of this DSIP list that we use has been 12% per year.
1: And again, the 24 year track record of the mutual fund advisory account is 5.7% per year versus the 29 year track record of the DSIP list, which is 12% per year. So, what's the difference in the long term annual returns of these two? Well, it's six point three percent more per year with the DCP list. Now, granted, there are different you know starting dates for the, these long term periods of time, and you know if you use that six point three percent difference per year as a guide for a million dollar portfolio, that's equivalent to sixty three thousand dollars per year.
2: And so, what does this sixty three thousand dollars per year represent? It's an improvement in your current return you know, versus, say, the this mutual fund program, $63,000. And if you extrapolate out that $63,000 improvement over 20 years, it's equivalent to an improvement of $1,260,000, which that seems like a chunk of change, doesn't it, Megan?
1: That's quite a bit of money. That is like a beach house, you know. That's
2: that's the, that's the improvement over Visa list versus this mutual fund program.
1: So what's the real takeaway from all of this? Well, it's that there are very significant differences in the returns of the DSIP list versus the mutual fund model. And in fact, the DSIP list has more than double the return of the fund source model.
2: So the second example we talked about in terms of just how bad diversification can be, that second example is called Allocation Advisors which is basically a collection of exchange-traded funds, or some people call them ETFs. These exchange-traded funds inside, also inside of an advisory account. Now, which investment firms offer something like this? You know, I would expect most every firm is going to have some version of this type of an account that you may be invested in.
1: And since its inception date of October 1st of 2001, the return of allocation advisors has been 7.7% per year. Now, since the inception date of November 30th, 1993, for the DSIP list, again, the return has been 12% per year.
2: So to repeat this, the 22-year track record of this ETF model portfolio was 7.7% per year, and the 29-year track record of the DSIP list was 12% a year. Now, even though we're doing this again, we're comparing returns with two different starting dates going back over time, that 4.3% difference per year, that is equivalent to $43,000 per year if it's a million-dollar portfolio. And once again, if you extrapolate that $43,000 over a 20-year period, it's equivalent to $860,000 of improvement by using the sub list in this little example that we're, that we're showing you.
1: Now, keep in mind that for the mutual fund example, the ETF example, the sub list, and even the S&P 500 index, past performance doesn't guarantee future results. So how do you know which one will do better in the future? Well, you don't know for sure, obviously, but from a historical perspective, you would expect to have had far better performance from a strategy based on the DSIP list rather than the other three.
2: So if your advisor has you invested in something similar to this mutual fund model or this ETF model, and also have these same levels of kind of mediocre performance, you're that person we're talking about. You're the person that may actually have the winning number on that lottery ticket because your overall performance may potentially be even higher than the 2% goal we started off with.
1: But what if you happen to be invested in a mutual fund or an ETF advisory account with better performance than we're showing you here? You know, we'd say, congratulations, I mean we should send off horns for you and um, you know call us if that's the case because we want to know about that. But the examples we're sharing, you know, they're similar to what we usually see when people send us their information to review. And you know regardless of these various time periods being compared on page 5 of the reference guide, the D sub list has had better performance and this is why we focus on it as a core holding in the advisory accounts that we manage.
2: Now Our next commentary that may also sound a bit inflammatory, and we're kind of known for that, but you need to understand that these types of advisory accounts that are invested in either mutual funds or exchange-traded funds, these are often nothing more than we're going to call them a shelf product at your advisor's firm. In other words, they sit there, you can pull them off, have them set up for a client, really just kind of at your whim. Now, there's usually different versions that have different strategies and have different investments that are also going to have these different levels of risk based upon which one is selected or, or suggested for you.
1: And for these types of accounts, your advisor will suggest which model they feel is appropriate for your situation. And once the paperwork has been completed and the account incepted and all the, the fun things that come along with setting up a, an account like this, they may have very little if Anything to do with the actual management. Now, the funds and the actual portfolio adjustments may be handled by the firm itself. And, you know, so in that case, you're thinking, well, what's the role of my financial advisor? Well, maybe nothing more than a paid salesman or saleswoman, you know, for these types of financial products because they frequently have no involvement in the ongoing management.
2: I mean, to, to an extent, they're basically earning an advisory fee for someone else to manage the assets. And again, the performance may or may not, but it's very likely kind of mediocre. Now, the fact that we have a very structured process that we're explaining how we manage these accounts and why it's done in a certain way may be vastly different than the approach that's being taken by your advisor. And as a team, we not only have a process that may materially improve your financial future. We offer a breadth of assistance with your estate planning documents and your retirement planning, which is a more holistic approach to helping our clients.
1: And, you know, my dad is a CFP and he has 42 years of experience. And my husband, who actually works with us as well, his name is Jared. He's a CPA as well as being a financial advisor. And he's you know, been on our team and has had over 20 years of tax experience even prior to his financial advising experience. So in other words, you know, synthesizing these different services can be a real wealth solution for you versus the cookie cutter approach we normally see.
2: Economist, Megan, you perfectly integrated the word synthesizing. I don't think I've ever said that word at least this year. Well,
1: I have a word of the day calendar, so I had to get it in somewhere today and I figured like that's the perfect place.
2: Well, you got your money's worth for that word. So where do we go next in this reference guide that we talk about? It's page four where we're going to explain to you how we manage portfolios using the stocks from this DSIP list. Now, to help with this, we've developed what we refer to as dividend growth portfolios, or as you might expect, we have to abbreviate these long names. This one's called DGP for short.
1: Yes, we have to abbreviate them so we can get them out when we're talking to you about this, because they can be quite the tongue twisters sometimes. So the stocks in these portfolios are generally large, well established companies. These are the companies that you are doing your shopping at. You know, these companies, okay? And they have a stream of rising dividend income and to help offset that or offset inflation, if you will, and challenging markets. This is why they have this um, rising dividend income. Now, to be clear, these are not necessarily the stocks with the highest current dividend yield, but they're actually the stocks that are increasing their dividends at a higher rate.
2: Now, another goal to help manage is to help manage risk. And by diversifying these stocks over various market sectors helps to reduce the volatility Now, we manage these portfolios on what's called a discretionary basis. It has an advisory fee attached to it that's probably going to be less than the advisory fee that we assume that you're paying with your current advisor.
1: And these portfolios, they don't actually have individual transaction charges. So regardless of the amount of activity going on, there's no incremental cost. Now, for the dividend growth portfolios or DGP, what's the minimum account size? You might be wondering that. Well, it's $50,000 and it's available for almost any type of an account.
0: Hopefully you're enjoying this Organized Investor Pod Class with Megan Hubbard, the Dean of our College of Knowledge, and Jerry Goodman, her CFP dad. Check out our class notes to find out how to reach us and subscribe to our pod classes to get started.
2: So How does a portfolio manager like us use the DSIP list to manage a portfolio? Well, that decision is really left up to us. It's kind of to our discretion. Now, our DGPs, our dividend growth portfolios, will normally contain about 48 to 64 of these higher quality companies that focus on stocks primarily from the DSIP list. Now, these accounts are completely liquid, and the assets reside with our clearing firm, which is Wells Fargo Clearing Corporation, which, as you might tell, is a subsidiary of Wells Fargo Bank.
1: Okay, like I'm overloaded. just talking about all this. So I know that our listeners probably are, their heads might be spinning a little bit. So I used to take mental breaks when I would teach my first graders and we would take a little mental break. So let's do that right now. So actually I'm going to read to you an elementary school paper written back in 1994 by a friend of my sister's. Her name was Rachel. We're not going to tell you her last name, or maybe we will if she hears this and wants the credit We'll go back and do an edit. But anyways, so dad actually has a joke file, which cracks me up. And he's had this file for 30 years. I don't know that I even want to know what's in it. But here we go. This is from his joke file from my sister's friend, Rachel. So there once was a boy who had a sister who had a smaller baby sister. Their names were Seth. That's the boy. And then there was Sarah. That's the sister of the boy. And there's the baby sister of the other sister who is the sister of the boy. And they all had a mother. And guess what? They all had a different mother. Why? I don't know. I don't know why.
2: <laughs> you know, that's so confusing. It's funny. But you know why I kept it for 30 years. And, uh, and and actually, to be technically correct, Megan, my joke file is older than 30 years. It's just that particular joke was dated 1994. So that's how we you know how oh, old it is.
1: Oh, gotcha. But that's
2: how the world is seen through the eyes of a child. So let's spend a few minutes excuse me, on page six of the reference guide, and hopefully you can keep your sense of humor because this could be a little bit confusing. We're not trying to be, but it could be. And this page is where we're going to show you what it means to be selective, okay? But before we go down that path, Megan, go through some of of these topics that we need to make sure they understand, like our little disclaimers, if you will, before we go through this.
1: Okay. Well, first, in spite of what we're about to explain, we are not trying to turn you into a portfolio manager or a financial advisor. Like, we promise that's not what our goal is here. Now, second, you don't need to know most of what we're about to share with you. And in fact, most of our clients, they don't want to know all of this. Okay. Like, they literally will stop us in a meeting and be like, okay, I got it. Like, they get on overload. And so they don't even want to hear all of this. Now, They do want to know, though, that we have a process that makes sense and that we're going to make adjustments as needed along the way. And so far, that's all worked well in the past. And after years of helping our clients, they do realize that, yes, we know what we're doing. And, you know, they begin to ignore most of these technical details that we're sharing with you.
2: But thirdly, since you haven't been a client of ours for years, we assume, we want you to at least be aware of what we know, you know what we do and why we do it okay this is this is to help you make a comparison of between this and your current advisor that he may not know or may not do or may not be sharing with you
1: fourth why you need to be at least aware of this is because you're the CEO of you right you're in charge of you and your financial future you're the one who will ultimately decide so who's best equipped to improve your long-term financial future well no one other than you. And that means you're the one who needs to be able to make the informed decision, which is what this is all about. It's about getting you informed. And as we said in an earlier podcast, after listening to our detailed explanations of what we do and why we do things in a certain way, you know, you'll know, you have a better understanding of how we work with our clients. And then you'll have maybe a better understanding of how your advisor is working with you. And you might think differently about your current situation. Now, this can be the ultimate second opinion that you've never gotten before, us sharing all of this information with you. But You have to be patient with this, okay, and you have to keep listening so you can have an informed opinion, not just an opinion, but one where we've actually given you some good information to make a decision
2: with. So let's dig into some information that you, again, don't need to fully understand, but at least you're going to be aware of it. So what we've said, or excuse me, what we've yet to say about this reference guide on our website is it is actually an export from a massive Excel spreadsheet that we use to analyze information and to manage these portfolios. Now, the export data is actually time stamped on each page when you take a look at that. Uh, and it, this actually took so long to create this spreadsheet. We now refer to this affectionately as Excel from hell. We may have called it that earlier. And there is so much information inside of this that you don't see. We actually have to turn off the automatic calculate, calculate function in Excel just to improve the response time so we can actually get something done with it.
1: Pretty bad when you make Excel tired.
2: <laughs> That's true.
1: So page six on the reference guide talks about the value of being selective and why this is so important. And we have three portfolio examples for comparison that we're going to share with you. So We even have them color-coded. We love anything that's color-coded and makes things easy to digest and organize. Um, So hopefully that will make things more understandable. And at least we should get some high marks for effort on that, right? Even if you don't understand it, at least we tried. Now, the first example is in red and it includes all of the stocks in the S&P 500 index. The attributes we're going to show assume that there is a 0.2% equally invested in each of the 500 stocks for a total of 100 percent. This is basically the S&P 500 index that is equally weighted.
2: Now, the second portfolio example is in blue, and it includes 48 stocks that we selected that that are exclusively from the DSIP list. Now, this portfolio, again, assumes 2 percent invested in each of the 48 stocks for a total of 96 percent in the stocks, The other 4% is in a money market fund, the kind of equivalent, if you will. So again, the blue portfolio is exclusively from the DSIP list.
1: And the third portfolio example is in green, and it consists of 64 stocks with 1.5% invested in each one, also for a total of 96% in equities and 4% in the money fund. Now, in this example portfolio, 42 of the stocks are from the DSIP list. 10 of the stocks are from one of seven other recommended lists provided by Wells Fargo Research, and then 12 are regional bank stocks. And those are ones that we would recommend for purchase by one of our correspondent research firms.
2: So what is the most important benefit of actually managing a portfolio like this? Not just having it managed for you, but managing it yourself. It's the ability to be flexible with what we do. Now, on occasion, we will find an attractive example, if you will, in the market. And and this happened with the regional bank stocks back in early May 2023 when we added these into the portfolio. Now, this was one of these unique examples where we not only could acquire stocks that had a history of increasing their dividends, and it was an excellent dividend, but these stocks were actually trading at a very depressed value due to what ended up being a relatively short issue, a short-term issue for this particular sector in the market.
1: So we're going to discuss this in more detail in a later podcast, and it relates to page number 13 of the reference guide titled, Never Let a Good Bear Market Go to Waste. Isn't that a good title? So. The blue and green portfolios we're showing as examples focus on higher quality companies we believe will provide consistent annual dividend growth over a long-term investment horizon. And we're not implying that investing in a dividend growth company is the only reasonable way to invest, but it's a process that has served our clients well for many years.
2: So back to the guide pages 8, 9, 10, and 11 in the reference guide, it contains a lot of information on some of the stocks that are included in these three sample portfolios. Now, in the red column, which Megan talked about a second ago, that's everything from the S&P 500 index. It shows 0.2% for each of the 500 stocks. And so 0.2 times 500 equals 100%. Now, there's also several pages making up this S&P 500 index, which again, we are assuming is invested in each one.
1: And in the blue column, there are 48 stocks in the sample portfolio, and they have 2% invested in each one and are selected exclusively from the DSIP list. So it shows 2% in Syncora, 2% in Abbott Labs, in analog devices, in American Tower, Air Products, Atmos Energy, American Waterworks, I could keep going. We could eventually get to the Bs and the Cs and the Ds, but we're going to stop there. And having 2% allocated into these 48 stocks is a total of 96% in equities and the rest in the money fund.
2: Now, the third option or the third example is this green column that includes 64 different companies there. There's one and a half percent invested in a, the slightly larger group of companies that we described, which again, also totals 96% in the stocks and the other 4% just sits in the money fund, the money market fund. So having a slightly larger number of companies to choose from allows us to include companies that have slightly better attributes.
1: And on these pages are the company names along with their ticker symbol, current price as of the date shown, as well as the consensus price target. Now, this price target, this is the average of the universe of price targets set by the various analysts that actually provide research that cover for each respective company. Now, when the price target is higher than the current price, they expect that the stock is going to appreciate. But when you know the occasion rises that the price target will be lower, this means that the expectation is for the stock to actually drop in price.
2: Now, remember that we want you to just be aware of all of this and don't feel like you need to fully understand everything we're covering because it's a lot. But with that said, there's a number of different attributes for each company that were current as of the date shown. And these are also an explanation of each attribute on the top of page eight if you're interested.
1: And as an example, let's look at Agilent Technologies on page eight as of the date shown. So the current price was $107. And the price target was at $134, so the percent change to reach the consensus price target is the 25% number. Now, that's shown in the column for attribute A. As you would expect, the larger the number, the more upside appreciation is expected.
2: Now, for attribute B, which again is the percentage of the high-low price range, Agilent Technologies was at 17%. You're going, what does that mean? It means basically it's relatively close to the lowest price of the year. The bigger the number, the you know, the higher, it's, it's closer to the higher number. 17% relatively close to zero, meaning it's relatively close to the low price for the year. Now for attribute C, agile has an analyst ranking of four. What does that mean? It basically means five means the analysts love it. One means they hate it. So a four is a pretty good number.
1: If you look at attribute D, this shows the number of analysts that actually follow that stock. Attribute E is going to show the earnings per share. Then there's F, that's the dividend yield based on the current price. And then G, that actually shows the number of consecutive annual dividend increases.
2: So H is the beta of the stock versus the S&P index. And a, a beta greater than the number one means the, it's more volatile than the index. And a beta less than one means it's less volatile. Now, finally, attribute I, as in Idaho, this is the total market value of each company in terms of billions of dollars. So that's a quick summary of the attributes. And again, there's a description on the top of page eight that explains all of this if you have an interest in it.
1: And that's a lot of information on a lot of companies. But we did provide a summary for you on page seven. So on page seven for attribute A, the projected price increases would be 16.9% for the red column, which is the average for the entire S&P index. A, let's see, a 15.9% increase for the blue column is an average of all the DSIP stocks for that portfolio. And the 17.3% increase for the green column is the average of a slightly larger group of stocks for that model as well. So basically, all three sample portfolios have similar projected upside appreciation, which is helpful to know.
2: Now, for the second attribute number A, you've got the blue and green portfolios. They have no stocks that are trading above their price target versus 18 stocks in the S&P 500 that are trading above that number. Attribute B, the stocks in a blue and green bliss are also closer to their annual price lows, which is a good thing.
1: Attribute C the average consensus rating by the analysts are all very similar for their three portfolio examples that we're sharing here. Um, Attribute D, all three portfolios, they have about the same number of analysts following following each company. Attribute E, that actually indicates the blue and green portfolios have no companies that are losing any money versus the 32 companies within the S&P 500 index that actually are losing money.
2: Moving right along, attribute F, that shows that the blue and green portfolios have significantly higher dividend yields versus the S&P 500 index, which a a better yield is obviously good. And attribute F number two, there's two attributes for F, the blue and green portfolios have 100% of their stocks paying a dividend versus only 79% of the S&P 500, which is also a good thing for the blue and green.
1: For G, The blue and green portfolios have many more years of consecutive dividend increases than the index, which is a positive. And then there's H. The blue and green portfolios have companies with significantly less volatility than the index, which is what you want, essentially.
2: And then you have I, which means the blue and green portfolios have significantly larger companies than the index which because they're larger, it's going to provide more stability and hopefully less volatility. Now, that's confusing just to listen to all of that, but it's a lot more informative if you're looking at page seven of the reference guide Why you happen to be listening to us explain all of this.
1: So a portfolio with the better attributes, that comes from being both selective and also flexible with your investments. Now, we want you to keep in mind that these summaries are not predictions as to future performance, but simple comparisons based upon current and historical information. And the DSUP list with the outstanding track record that it has, you know, that's why it's our primary focus with structuring these dividend growth portfolios or the DGPs that we've been talking about.
2: And each one of those dividend growth portfolios is managed on a discretionary basis, It has an advisory fee that's probably less than what you're currently paying. And it may avoid some of the hidden costs of the mutual funds or the exchange-traded funds, plus the fact it probably has a better performance. So we want you to at least be aware that that is our approach. It is probably vastly different than some off-the-shelf advisory product with mediocre performance your advisor has sold you sometime in the past. And
1: even if your financial advisor is a nice person, I'm sure they are you know, most financial advisors are nice people. You know, we're talking about your financial future here, and it's not a personality contest. We're actually sharing suggestions here that for some, it's going to have potential long-term benefits that will literally total in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So with all due respect to your advisor, if you're hoping they will ever offer some of these same pieces of advice or suggestions, you know, now would actually be a really good time to lower your expectations because it's probably not going to happen.
2: That's a good way to put it. And, And to wrap things up, we've explained how we use these dividend growth portfolios and the Excel from Hell spreadsheet to manage those portfolios as well as manage the information. We've explained the benefits of being selective with your portfolio as opposed to what you may be doing, and this may materially improve your long-term financial future.
1: And we'd say if you have an idea with better long-term performance and less risk than the DSIP list, we would love to hear about it. If not, we'd invite you to have a discussion with us to review your situation and, you know, to see just how much all of this may actually benefit you.
2: Now, another option is you can upload your information to us through a very secure link on our website, and we can discuss it with you by phone if that would be more convenient. Again, this is a lot of information to digest, so at least congratulations for making it to the end here. And please contact us with any questions that you may have along the way.
1: We would also say to follow us on social media and, you know, save us to your favorite podcast player to receive reminders of the future episodes that we'll be releasing. We have more to share, which means you have more to learn. So join us next time. And as always, thanks for listening and class is dismissed.
0: The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the organized investor or TN Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning or before making any investment decision, and please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The organized investor cannot accept trade or account instructions on or through this platform. Please contact us directly at us at tnwealthmanagement.com or 865-415-2060 to place a trader for trade or account-related questions. Brokerage and advisory services are provided by TN Wealth Management through Prospera Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. The organized investor is a brand name operated by TN Wealth Management for educational platform purposes.